Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I'm rejoined again. You might have heard our first part earlier today on the Knicks Film School podcast or the second part right here on Locked on Knicks, but rejoined once again for a third part of this one-day Knicks content extravaganza by Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. And we've been talking about things that intrigue us, perplex us, just question, burning questions that we've had on our minds since the season ended as this offseason has gotten into full swing. And in this third part, John and I are going to talk about Julius Randle and whether he could still have a future with the Knicks or if that ship has kind of sailed and talk about how the Knicks can free up these various log jams they have on the roster and what it might take to get some of their promising young players some playing time. But we'll be talking about all that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're having us in your your earbuds on your favorite podcast platform or whether you're checking us out on YouTube, uh, we really appreciate you guys always making us a part of your day, making us part of your morning, or maybe in today's case, afternoon routine. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he is Jonathan Macri. Uh, he's not on screen yet, but he will be in just a moment. If you haven't, again, one more reminder. If you haven't already, this is a three-part episode. We did part one on the Knicks Film School podcast this morning, and then part two on Locked on Knicks this morning. And now we're doing part three, also on Locked on Knicks right now, uh, of all these these things that have been kicking around in John and my heads since the start of the offseason. So this episode, again, we're going to be talking about Julius Randle a lot and the potential roster crunch coming for the Knicks. So I won't hold this up anymore. I'll get right into it right now with Jonathan Macri at Knicks Film School. All right, well, that brings us to a, 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 the next part here. And, you know, we just talked about what other stars could potentially come to the Knicks. But, like, when we were talking in the, in the offseason, which is our last crossover that we did. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, we were talking about Julius Randle, who just made an all-NBA second team and talking about this team maybe winning 50 games this past season and all this other stuff. And there was really a world where Julius Randle was that guy and was that good. So, Macri, my next thing that I've been wondering about, and I mean, I've pretty much resigned myself to one side of this for a while now, but I, I like to entertain that there could be another side to it. And you know what? Honestly, like, I'll, I'll say it outright. You're more plugged in than I am, so you would maybe know better than I would. So maybe you're the right guy to ask this. 
But is there a world where Julius Randle can still work out with the Knicks? And I go back and forth on this all the time because I just don't understand how how things went so bad so quickly and how he went from being on top of the world like he was last year and talking about, I get it now. I get what New York loves. They just want a hard worker and I'm here to work and I'm here to do this and I'm here to do that. I reflected on myself and I had to be a better leader. I had to be less selfish. I had to do this. I had to do that and understand, you know, the burden that came with my contract and this, that, the other. So, I, I haven't been able to wrap my head around why everything fell off a cliff seemingly between his ears, mostly this year so quickly. I mean, how do you feel about Randall? Like, do you, we've talked about at one point during this sprawling podcast, a, I think it was just during that last part, a, a world where, you know, Randall is still on the team and, you know, maybe you sign Brunson and you have a core of Brunson, RJ Randall. <sighs> But like, could that even work? I just, I, I don't know. And that's, it, it's what perplexes me with him. And I just, I feel like it's so hard to nail down where his mind is based off what he said last season and then how he acted this season. It's, it was such a stark difference that I, I almost can't, there's a part of me that almost wonders, like, could he bounce back this next year in the same way that he did in 2021 with, that amount of reflection that he had oh. or has he officially just sort of like jumped a shark with the Knicks, you know, and decided I, that this is it. I, I, it still, I just, I can't wrap my brain around it. I, I spent more time thinking about Julius Randle, sadly for me, um, probably for anybody who listens to me or, or reads me than I, than I care to admit because it's, it's been like he, to me, more than RJ, more than Tibbs, more than more than anything, has was like the story of this next season, and not obviously not a, a good one. Um, I guess where I where I struggle to imagine a world where it could work for Randall here. Put, put aside the the peripheral stuff, the thumbs down, the kind of cursing at the fans, like. If you just take Julius Randle, the basketball player, and you're like, okay, what is the world where this works here in New York? And I say here in New York because I want—I think that is a big part of it because I don't know how you can go from being the face of a franchise, which he undoubtedly was, right? Even more than RJ, like he was—I mean, when you finish eighth in MVP voting for a franchise that hasn't had a top ten MVP guy since you know, mellow almost a decade ago. Um, Like you're the face of the franchise. How do you go from being that to being like, all right, I'm comfortable being the like third wheel here or like definitively like second wheel. But like that would imply that RJ Barrett is like the first option. Like how good is the team going to be if RJ Barrett's the first option? Probably not, not great. Um, So like you're, you're inevitably talking about, okay, Miranda's the number three on a good team here in New York, like would he be willing to what evidence do we have that he would be willing to accept anything that remotely looks like that? Like this is a guy that even after just a dreadful, absolutely dreadful first half of the season before the all-star break, his usage rate went up. I don't know if people realize that or after the all-star break, he had a 30 usage rate after the all-star break, 
This is a guy who was the least efficient player in basketball amongst high volume players. And and he and he shot more, you know, after after the break. I I think that is his mentality here. And as long as he's here, he's gonna be like, I'm still the man. Like I'm the one who got the con- I'm, I got the, the max contract. I know it's not the max, but it was the max he could get at the time. Like he's the highest played pair on the team, the whole thing. Um, so if you have that mentality, okay, that's number one. Number two, effort issues have trailed him around in terms of effort slash engagement issues on defense have trailed him for his entire career. And like we don't like to talk about it, but they were kind of still present during the last season, you know, 2021. We looked the other way because we're like, oh, he's exerting so much energy on offense. It's like we'll live with this little stuff. But at least he balanced it out with like those moments where he would be trying hard and he would be leading the effort. But he, you know, he's such a volatile player slash personality that you're dealing with those ebbs and flows again from a guy who sees himself as one of the leaders of the franchise. Okay. So that's another issue. And then you just look on the offensive end of the floor and it's like, okay, he hasn't been willing to go to the basket on a regular basis for three years. Like the last time he went to the basket on a regular basis was in new Orleans. And like, you want to tell me like, okay, if they trade for a stretch five or they develop a stretch five, whatever draft the stretch five, Play Obi more, whatever, anything. You're gonna tell me that all of a sudden Julius Randle is gonna be a guy who goes to the rim and takes 50% of his shots at the rim? Eh, I don't know if I believe that. Like, I think he likes the player he is now, and I think there's there's a reason why. Even after every Tibbs press conference, where he would be like, "We're a different team when Julius attacks the rim." Guess what wouldn't happen the next game? Julius attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. Like he j- he doesn't want to be that guy anymore. So is he like? And last, the last thing, if you look at his percentages and you look at his efficiency during a year, which, again, he finished eighth place in MVP, he wasn't that efficient then like, mm-hmm. in comparison to players around the league who play either the four or the five. Like, he was a below average efficiency player then in comparison to players who play his position. So, like, and that was the best version of him. You get into the empty gym stuff and like, is the shot ever going to come around or is he just what he is, which is like a 31 percent, 32 percent, three point percentage guy. There's just so much stuff. And I think it just makes a lot more sense for a team with an established guy to trade to to, to, to look at this as be like, OK, we're going to get a, a talented guy who if he's in the right role and if he's surrounded by the right pieces and if he has the right mentality and he knows his place and the whole thing. Maybe it works out. And I don't think anyone's going to pay a, a lot to find that out. But I think somebody will be like, all right, well, we're, we're willing to pay something to find that out. Um, I think that just makes a lot more sense than to keep him here. Unless you think that he's going to rebound next year and the value is going to go up, which I don't know, man. I'm skeptical. Like, so let's say he comes out and he has a great first 20 games and he lights the world on fire. Is some team all, all of a sudden going to be like, ooh, we're going to let's make the big all in play for Julius Randle and give up like a real thing. I don't know, but I maybe I'm, the, I'm the only team there. There are certain teams that I could see being desperate enough to do. Something yeah. Desperate like teams. That. That's <laughs> and it would be like the Lakers, you know, or maybe even the Clippers for that matter. You know, I've um, thought of the Clippers as a Randall destination and it, they don't have the assets, you know, unless yeah. they want to, Unless the again, but again, this this speaks to the other thing we we're talking about, which is like, is it is there a long term thing going on here? Because yeah, is Leon Rose going to be like, great, give me your twenty twenty eight 
swap and mm-hmm. do 2029 first. Like. All right, we'll be right back in to continue this discussion on Julius Randle and then talk about how the Knicks could potentially crunch their roster a bit this offseason to make room for the younger players that we want to see play, especially at some really stacked positions like the wing where they have a lot of players they've invested quite a bit in. But I just want to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And you know what it is. It's summertime. I'm trying to get back in shape. You know, I had a rough start to this year, got hurt a couple times, wasn't able to work out as much as I wanted to. I got to get that beach bod in, you know, so it's time to start working out and time to start eating some Built Bars after my workouts to help me replenish and get that protein I need for my muscles to get better. And you guys know I love Built Bars. It's like such a guilty pleasure sometimes. It feels like you're it, you like unwrap the wrapper, you take that bite, and you're like, man, I'm eating a candy bar right now. But in reality, once you look at the nutritional facts, it's like, oh, no, make no mistake. I'm eating a Built Bar right now. This is not a candy bar. It might be chewy. It might come in fantastic flavors. It might be covered in 100% chocolate. But, in fact, this is not a candy bar. It is a Built Bar. And what's the difference between a candy bar and a built bar? Well, a candy bar, if you eat that after a workout, it's basically like you're taking an eraser and erasing all that progress that you just made by putting a bunch of fat and sugar and carbs and everything else in your body that your body doesn't need after a workout. When you unwrap a built bar and eat it after a workout, you're it's not an eraser. It's like adding to whatever you just did because you're adding 17 grams of protein into your body with only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs along for the ride on that, that beautiful little Built Bar. So if you're like me and you want some Built Bars to help supplement your summer workout uh, routine, getting ready for the beach bot of the summer, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I think there is a world where maybe the Clippers, I mean, because the thing with Julius is I feel like it's sort of like what you said. You have to, I I think you more or less just like talk me out of it. I mean, I've just been having this thought recently where I'm just like, is there any hope that (laughs) like it could work out? And I'm just like, I don't think so, man. I really don't. It's just, there's, there's so much working against this working. And I think the large part is that he's not ready to cede control if he's on a team of guys that, especially in the case of RJ Barrett, were once like his junior, you know what I mean? Like, like RJ was the, you know, the up and comer and Julius was the vet. And then all of a sudden, especially the back half of the season, RJ was the, the team leader and, and clearly had the respect of the locker room and, you know, was leading team discussions and everything else. And I think that made Randall feel not so good. And, you know, I, if you trade him to a team like the Clippers or the Lakers for that matter, now he's definitively third in the pecking order and he cannot say anything about that. Like behind Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you got no case, buddy. Like you're, you're behind them behind LeBron and AD. You have no case. You're behind them. Like those, those guys are superior. And I think the argument for the Clippers is Ty Lue. If you're the Clippers, I think he had a coach in Ty Lue that has clearly shown the ability to get through to guys. Like he, the man coached LeBron James to a championship. That's 
That's the only thing you need on your resume as an NBA coach to have, I think, respect from other players, especially a guy like Randall, who, you know, I think he, you know, he, he looks up to, to LeBron. Um, if you're Leon, even if you're obviously not planning on being here in 2029, maybe you and here and this is something that, that Jeremy and I have disagreed with a little bit uh, in terms of like potential returns for Randall. He's he's looking at it more like the Knicks are not going to trade him unless they get a, a guy back who like they could insert into the lineup today and is a significant contributor that they like and the whole thing. I'm more thinking of it again to harken back to our our conversation about when do you trade for the star and the whole thing. If you do get some picks that like even the Clippers would probably acknowledge like, yeah, those picks might be pretty good. We're going for it now. Um do you then just go package, add those to the package for the star that you trade for a little while down the line? And then the question just becomes like, do the Clippers think that Julius Randle is going to help them win a championship? And that to me is, is honestly the tougher, the tougher thing. It's because again, there are, there are real issues with this player. Like if you make him your five and we've seen the Clippers have zero qualms about going small and play and, and going for like a, a switch, everything defense, like, is Randall equipped to survive on that end of the floor in the last five minutes of a playoff game where you got to be on your P's and Q's, like rotations, the whole thing? I don't know. Do they think he is? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would just come down to can he be supplemented well enough by, you know, the other guys on the team too? Like can Kawhi Leonard and Paul George carry him enough on that end? Like Marcus Morris is, was a good NBA, def- not a great NBA defender, not a perfect NBA defender. Like he had his moments where he was not great, but like I think – the Clippers looked at him and be like, okay, this is a guy we feel okay about defending mm-hmm. the last five minutes of a playoff game. It, it, again, a high-level playoff, like a finals game, a conference finals game, whatever. I don't know. I wonder if like a team that's looking to win a championship, that's why I go back to what you said before. It's like I think it's going to be a team that's a little bit more desperate. Mm-hmm. And who is that? I don't know. I, the Blazers are always the one I go back to, but they seem to be in more on Jeremy Grant than... Yeah, yeah. The Blazers could be that if if Dame is indeed sticking around. Maybe the Wizards as well. If Beal is in the situation, I think of the Wizards too. Like, can you imagine a big three of Randall, Porzingis, and uh, and, and uh, Beal. Bradley Beal? Talk about a talk about a fucking sad sack big three. My God, yeah, it'd sure be interesting though, especially from the Knicks' perspective. The two, you know, Knicks lepers. Uh, on the team together but but if you're telling me i again i keep like give me and again i don't know that the the wizards would do this because i I would argue that kyle kuzma was a better player than julius randall last season but like kuzma and like another salary uh and and like a distant first right that Mm -hmm. had a chance to be unprotected like that's seems like a pretty great return to me do they want to do that oh yeah yeah, I mean, I'd be all about it. I'd even just do. Isn't KCP still with them? KCP's like, still with them. I think. I think he's expiring. I'm not sure. Either has one yeah. or two years left on his deal, but he's he's making 13 million, like kind of that middle mm-hmm. middle tier salary. Um, this is actually a good transition into my to my last. I was going to ask for that. Yeah, I think it's about yeah. time to start start pushing towards the end of it. We've done we've done an absolute marathon night of podcasting here. So. You know what <laughs> this. Is nothing compared to what? Because we've been going like three hours on next film school, so that's just like the norm for me now, which is very sad. Um, in any case, yeah, I'll, I'll be brief. It's like my other, my last point is: how do they break up this? Not break up this roster, but how do they? How do they break up the logjam? And I think it's the number one concern for most Nick fans because you just 
like I think there's a notion amongst some people who maybe don't take the time to really think and I don't blame you for not doing this like think about like how the reality of NBA transactions work and like they're not just going to make a series of trades this summer where they just ship out all these veterans and like open up time for like th- we are we are approaching a situation that is is coming to a head in terms of you got young players that the organization seems to want to give time to they seem to deserve that time like this is you know the comparison i make and i i i feel bad doing this but like it's i have to this is not frank nilakina and damian dotson (laughs) i made that same comparison recently on a podcast so don't worry about it (laughs) no but like those guys like they were young players and they were like vaguely interesting Mm -hmm. this is not that like even cam reddish and you could argue that cam is is fifth on the pecking order after Actually, I don't think it's an argument. Like after RJ, OB, or IQ, OB, whatever order, and Quentin Grimes, who who showed the ability to be a 25-minute-a-night NBA player. like You could make a case that Sims is above him. Yeah, sure. Not crazy. Whatever. So Cam Reddish was the number 10 pick in a draft two years ago, or three years ago at this point. But like it feels like two years. It actually feels like even less because he has been injured so much. That is a dude with like real pedigree and skill and like a real there there is an upside that is fading it, it is it, you have to really squint to see it but it's still there like you just traded a first for that uh, that dude a few fucking months ago not years ago months ago like that dude needs time so and then there's all the guys above him and then you have alec burks and derrick rose and evan fournier and julius randall and neurons noel am i forgetting someone i'm probably forgetting some um so what are you gonna do you know, we talked about the lottery pick on on the Knicks Film School part of this episode, like that they're going to make that pick. OK, great. How is that person getting time? Like something this is coming to a head. I, I just am fascinated to see what they do, because I I started off our com- or the first half of this conversation by saying, like, it feels like we're entering something is going to change materially between now and the start of next season. And I'm just, you know. I'm as curious as anybody to see how they do it. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how the logjam gets cleared either. I think that the most obvious thing to, you know, I, I think this is why you said that this sort of bleeds nicely from my point to yours is that, you know, if you trade Julius Randle, you free up at least the time for Obi Toppin uh, to get starters minutes yep. potentially. Uh, how do you free up time for Emmanuel quickly? I mean, I, I think that, Freeing up time for Emmanuel quickly could be as simple as a front office mandate to start him. Um, sure. You know, if you just say that and say, Tibbs, Burks is not a point guard. Stop trying to make that happen. <laughs> then <laughs> Fetch maybe, is not a thing. Yeah, fetch is not a thing. You know, Burks as a point guard is not a thing. Stop trying to make it happen. You know, like maybe that's all it takes to get quickly those minutes, but then does Deuce McBride continue to rot on the bench when you have Derek Rose coming back who, you know, even though Tibbs was probably the most respectful to him of any player, as far as respecting like what minutes he should be playing. Um, You know, it might've had something to do with the ankle injury, but he was only playing like 20 to 25 minutes per game last year consistently. And Tibbs wasn't really pushing that at all. Um, You know, so is, like, is there any room for Deuce McBride to get minutes? Is oh, man. It, you just mentioned 
Cam, who you gave a first round pick for, he's backing up RJ, but so is Quentin Grimes. <laughs> if you have Fournier and Alec Burke still as your your like shooting guard rotation, you know, so how do you find time for all those guys if Tibbs is unwilling to go small? You know, so you're not really willing, you know, slew of injuries permitting uh, to try something like a, uh, uh, I don't know, like IQ, Grimes, RJ, Cam, Obi lineup or something for a stretch. Like, sure. you're not willing to give that a shot because that just goes against Tibbs's, you know, way of looking at things. And so now it's like, all right, well, how do you find enough minutes to make Grimes and Cam's is significant skills or burgeoning skills or skills that you haven't even really seen yet because Cam got to play all of like, I don't know, like I would be surprised. It was even 200 minutes in the next year. It was not, it was not a lot. It was, it was less than 500. I know that I'll look it up. Yeah. Like not a lot of minutes, you know, you, you need to get a look at him, but you also want to continue growing Quentin Grimes who had such a great rookie season. Oh, that um, dude, like that dude has to play. Yeah. yeah. He just has to. So, you know, the, it, you're right. There's a log jam, and it's it's really hard. Two fifteen, by the way. Two hundred fifteen minutes. That I was really close. Holy crap! You were, you were very close. That was good. Um, but like, Cam made eight threes with the Knicks. That's <laughs> if you would have asked me, gone to my head, you'd be like, how many how many threes did Cam make? I would have been like, I don't know, thirty, made eight. No, yeah, it just those last couple games really stood out, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's 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 the ultimate conundrum, and I think that all the questions that we've talked about ultimately come back to that so it's probably the best one to land on yeah of like how do you if this if this roster is like a codex and this is the da vinci code like (laughs) how how do you break the codex and and find the you know the the productive roster on the inside here you know it's just i don't i don't have the answers and uh, you know i i think that you can make good headway headway by first trading randall um, for whatever the return may be, if the if things are truly that far gone, that frees up a lot of time in that regard. But I think that in many other ways, you're going to have to either, you know, trade a guy like a Burks, who's a productive I, NBA player. That I'm looking would... at Burks and it like put aside Kemba, who mm-hmm. if they trade him, great. If not, he starts next season like you know, in mothballs and at some point they'll either, he'll either expire or like, look at whatever, you know, I'll even put Noel into that category. To me, it's Burks and Rose. I, I struggle to see a world where it it even remotely makes sense for both of those players to be back next season. I think at the very, very, very least, I think one of those players is, it will be gone. Yeah. Yeah, and, and potentially a salary filler because they'll both be expiring contracts effectively next year too. So I don't know. It's interesting, John. I think we've exhausted about as much as we could talk about it, though. I think so as well. This was for, good. for this marathon. I'm going to predict this will be a three part episode. Um, oh wow! One okay. part on Nick's film school, two parts on Locked on Nick's. I think one. It's a, it's a solid prediction. One really jam packed Wednesday of of Nick's listening for those listening to everything here. Oh yeah, tomorrow's Wednesday. Yeah. As we're recording this. Yeah. Today is Wednesday for you to- listening to this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but John, before we go, do you want to, uh, for those woefully uninformed people, 
that are not already uh, following you on social media or your various podcasts, newsletters, everything that you do. Do you want to tell everybody where to find you real quick? Sure. You always make fun of me for not knowing my own Twitter handle. So I will. I wrote it on the screen. You wrote it on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I had to help you out. It's uh, JC Macri NBA. Uh, And then, yeah, just Knicks Film School. If you'd like to read about the Knicks, subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter on Substack. Uh, there's a link in my Twitter page, I'm pretty sure. And then, um, yeah, our podcast, YouTube channel, the whole thing. We usually take turns patting each other's back at the beginning of these podcasts, too, and I feel like we didn't do good enough. We did not do a good enough This job. episode, so I'll just say, like, one of the hardest working dudes that I know. Got, Likewise, got, man. Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, definitely go support Macri if you're not already. Most Check out Nick's Film School, Patreon, just listen to the podcast, go on YouTube, whatever. Every every little bit helps, and every little bit helps on Locked on Knicks, too. So, you know, drop us a, a five-star rating or whatever. But till next time, thank you all for listening to this episode, this multi-part. Knicks Film School. What, what did we call this last time? Locked on Knicks Film School? Sure. Um, That's great. Crossover <laughs> event extravaganza. Thank you for listening to, to all these parts if you made it this far. Uh, we got lots of other great episodes coming for Locked On Knicks, though, so keep your ears to the ground and your eyes locked on your YouTube feed. But until next time, thank you all for listening. Peace out. Talk to you all soon. Giddy up. <laughs>